Partnering for success with NEC Univerge Blue. Take control of your customer relationships, expand your business. By offering a cloud communication service with five nines, 99.999% uptime, a fully integrated cloud-based UC solution with 100 plus enterprise grade calling features, flat per user rates with scalability and an award-winning cloud portfolio. NEC Univerge Blue, a market leader in communication solutions in business over 122 years, number one in the SMB market share in North America for the last seven years, NEC Univerge Blue Cloud Services. Check them out today. Welcome to another episode of TBI Talks Tech. I'm Eric Hills, training manager with TBI, and along with me, Dave Polakowski, operations trainer here at TBI. And once again, we have a very special guest. It's an all TBI episode today. We have with us for the first time, but hopefully not the last time, TBI Solutions Engineer, Justin Foxwood. Justin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for taking some time. We know you guys are in high demand. Uh, Absolutely. Well, Very I will, say, so. I will say, Polakowski, if everyone is special, are any of them special? Yeah, are they're guests? all special, man. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, okay. They're on, all special. Don't, all right. don't, don't be smirch our guests, Eric. <laughs> I will not have you be smirching our guests. So, so uh, Justin, today we are talking about IoT, which is Internet of Things, right? Which to me sounds extremely vague, almost like it's like Internet of Stuff, right? It's just kind of a lot of different things. So, obviously, I know everything about everything, but for some of our listeners and for Eric, uh, can you kind of start by going over, I guess, some of the components of IoT and kind of how all that works? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you are right. IoT is incredibly vague, probably just because it is so unwieldy to think about, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there have been some cute other acronyms coming out, like AIoT, right? If there's mm -hmm. to differentiate mm. on the sort of smart, but not quite as smart devices, um, so on and so forth. But yeah, so where to start? Um, maybe at the, uh, the, the common household level, right? So think of a smart house, right? your Amazon Alexa, your Google Smart Home, that's kind of an easy way to think of the base level of like an IoT environment, right? That's kind of like the hub that's connecting a smart sprinkler system or smart locks in your house or mm -hmm. a nest for your environmental sensing and stuff like that. So those are all, all of the, the physical devices. They then interface with some sort of application, whether it's your Google Home app or Alexa, like I mentioned, where you are actually able to manage them, uh, play with the alerting system, so on and so forth. Same kind of deal in a commercial setting. It's just much more granular uh, and sophisticated. Uh, and the use cases are much broader, right? Everything from premise security is a, is a hot one right now because you can, you can layer on AI to help with detecting bad actors, things like that. You know, you know it alleviates uh, the need for 24-7 staff, things of that nature. Any kind of sensor you can think of under the sun, whether it's air quality, which is, you know, quite important now with, with uh, mm. our post-pandemic environment, sure. right? To the point where it's being regulated. It's kind of a, a land grab, so to speak. Maybe like uh, if you think about the hospitality industry, panic buttons, right? Mm -hmm. So wearables, trying to get your arms around um, the ability to interface with all of these different systems with something that's simple to use, right? Push a button, it goes to your security system, maybe it even goes as far as alerting law enforcement, you know, cut out the middleman. You can, you can really get sophisticated with it and streamline a lot of these 
use cases. It's, it's kind of like if you can dream it, they can build it type stuff, right? There's sensors in the field that are connected. It's all this data that we're bringing back home, whether that's temperatures, binary related information on statuses, you know, automation in a commercial setting like you're referring to. Uh, so there's all there's all this different type of types of data that we're collecting, but when it comes down to it, like the the processing and storing of that data, I think becomes especially important when you're talking about making business decisions based on on that data, right? So talk to us just a bit about what differentiates some of these IoT platforms from another. You know, you you mentioned two like consumer uses, like Alexa versus like. Mm -hmm. Google Play or Google Home, right? Like mm -hmm. in, in more of our world in the channel, what differentiates A from B when it comes to IoT platforms our partners have access to? Right, yeah, so a big one is, like I mentioned earlier, the ability to layer on AI and machine learning, right? Being able to build custom rule sets around different sensors or devices, depending on what you wanna get out of them. So let's take the example of a security system for a facility, right? You might have cameras internally for, you know, comings and goings of staff. You might have cameras outside, maybe in a parking lot. You want to know what cars come and go historically. It could, you know, you could not set up cameras to detect license plates, uh, make model color of cars, um, access controls for getting in and out of the building. Whether you, you know, you want only want staff to be able to get, walk in, sure, probably, right? And you have like a key fob or a mobile app, right, that interfaces with the system. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of different systems. You need to be able to unify it, right? You want to be able to manage that without having to have all these different logins and platforms. So a lot of the best in breed IoT uh, platforms allow for that. If there's an open API, they can tie it in and then they can apply their AI and machine learning capabilities to those devices, regardless of where they came from. So one example um, would be like Epic IO, right? They have a very large, robust AI platform that you can tie any kind of camera, like so Cisco Meraki's to any, really any manufacturer, I'll list them all. You can tie them in whether you, they provided them to you or not, you maybe already have them. Um, so you have one pane of glass, you can go into any camera, stream it, you can access the historical data, um, maybe you have an access control system. You can go through the reporting to see who came and went. You can set up the AI rules for like maybe after hours. Say there's an external camera and it detects a human walking around where they shouldn't be. It can automatically alert based on that, right? Detect if it's a human or a cat or a raccoon or something like that, right? So less false alerts, less getting woken up in the middle of the night because of something stupid. And it can even go so far as to, I like to think of it as like a modern scarecrow where there's not actually a person there, but it plays audio and it, it scares them off. It says, sure. you know, you, you, you are trespassing, you shouldn't be here. Authorities have been called. Whether that's true or not, doesn't matter. People are usually going to get out of there, right? It's pretty effective and it's pretty cost efficient. But at the end of the day, being able to unify all that together is kind of the key component, right? And that's really where I'm seeing these platforms break away from each other is their capabilities in that space. Yeah, that's that's cool. I like that use case of the the modern day scarecrow. And I think uh, you know you're saying API integrations are important. You know, tying all these systems together is important. The sake of convenience, you want just one username and password, you can access everything. When you start integrating systems and you start converging everything into a single pane of glass, sometimes you sacrifice security for the sake of of convenience. Talk to us just a bit about like best practices when it comes to securing IoT. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely cybersecurity, obviously, is a hot topic, no matter what technology you're talking about. IoT is no exception. 
if, if anything, it's kind of the problem child because these devices, they don't really have, there's not a standard operating system per se, right? They all have different protocols and inner workings. So you can't necessarily install like an endpoint agent as you would on like a laptop or a desktop or a phone for antivirus or, or malicious behavioral detection, right? So like an MDR or EDR solution, it doesn't really apply to the device itself, only the network noise they make after they're on your network, which is helpful, but not ideal, right? So first you need to identify, you need to understand what IoT devices exist in your environment, right? Whether it's stuff you've installed, or maybe you're a new IT director or anyone managing this who's inherited a bunch of devices, or employees have just like plugged things in. Maybe there's a fish tank and they put a smart thermometer in it that connects to your network that you don't know about, right? These are all potential attack vectors. It's communicating with your network. So you need to identify the devices. So any kind of asset discovery tool, network monitoring tool that would otherwise detect shadow IT is pretty crucial to getting a baseline for what exists, all right? And then from there, being able to segregate what those devices can do on your network, what resources they can tap, where they authenticate, their swim lanes, so to speak. That's where things like zero trust network access come into. You can essentially fence them in, right? There's no reason for the fish tank thermometer to be accessing a HR server. It's just not a thing. It needs to just get connectivity to the internet and to that application, and that's it. It should not be able to go east to west, right? And then after that, you can start monitoring the behavior. That's where that's where services like a SOC as a service or, or a managed detection response do apply because you can create the baseline activity you expect on a network that is not breached and set parameters to detect anomalies. So suddenly there's a lot of traffic maybe coming off of a security camera that there's no, it has no business putting out there. Maybe it's, you know, oh, it's talking to Russia all of a sudden. That, that should not occur. <laughs> um, things like that. So it's, it's like any good cyber uh, security strategy, it's a multi-layered approach, right? There's no silver bullet. It's at least two, if not three plus different technologies. And the good news is it's not just applicable to IoT. These are all things that help you across the board in your environment. A lot of these organizations already have them. They just haven't necessarily thought of how to wrap their wrap it around IOT specifically. A lot of what you're mentioning, you know, ZTNA, uh, SOC as a service, you know, these are themes that came up at the Nashville security bootcamp. Yeah. Uh, but IOT that I recall is kind of absent from any of the workshops or conversations that, that I was a part of. So where are partners like missing the opportunity? What kinds of questions should they be asking that they just aren't? Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing for me is to ask what's keeping them up at night, the client, right? Specifically around IoT. Like, do you, are you, do you know what IoT devices exist in your environment? Like, do you have the full inventory? Chances are no, right? Like, they don't, there's no quick way to know that without looking into the monitoring technologies that exist, right? Um, it's really hard to do on a napkin, right? You have to, you have to employ some sort of business intelligence to get an accurate inventory. I think that the best advice I can give anyone looking to gain traction is don't get stuck in the weeds. Simply focus on uncovering and solving for business problems. Think of IoT as a giant toolbox or, you know, if you if you're a 90s kid, Inspector Gadget, right? He's Mr. Uh, IoT. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, he he had something for everything and that 
is applicable to IoT, especially to your earlier point, Eric, there is a lot of opportunity for customized solutions, right? A lot of these really good IoT vendors, they, they jump at the opportunity to develop something custom. They might be using some existing sensors and stuff like that, but for the specific use case, they can really build something that provides immediate value. So you don't necessarily have to know every tool and what it does, just who has the most robust best toolboxes out there. And that's something that we at TBI can help with. Certainly, you know, the engineering department, that's my day every day. By all means, reach out. Happy to happy to have those conversations. Yeah, if I could add anything, I think it would just be on the partner side, especially when you're talking about salespeople. Don't get so tripped up on IoT and connectivity and cloud versus, you know, the storage configuration. Like you don't have to have those conversations. That's why we have Inspector Foxwood. On, on the team, right? He can New title. Sleeves up. Yeah, there you go. Change, <laughs> do, 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 do. change that immediately. Yeah, it's going to be stuck in my head. Get out of jail. Buy a trench coat now. Uh, and, and the hat, too, man. And I mean, the hat. You got to have it all. I see a guy in a trench coat. Inspector Gadget is not the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, but, you know, it's like the, the salespeople out there focus on, on if the customer mentions IoT or, you know, you see problems you feel like they can solve for in their business or decisions they could make more efficiently with the use of IoT, focus on that, focus on their, their current business, what they want to change, decisions that they would want to make based on technology, and then we can work our way backward from there. Yeah. And like another point for the traditional telco agent, right? It's, it's similar to anything, right? How to transition from the more analog solutions. So like take POTS lines as, as an example. Well, there's a, there's a kind of a renaissance era happening with POTS lines via pots in a box solutions, which is just a fancy way of saying it. they're delivering an analog handoff uh, via LTE or 5G or even a broadband connection. It's just a device that converts the signal and emulates a pots line. This is great because a lot of these traditional pots like AT&T, Verizon, whatever suppliers, they don't want to do it anymore, right? Or they're just not they're just not doing it. It's a legacy service. So you have to find something to keep that going. So you need the alarm lines, you need the elevator lines, you even need a, a standard, you know, maybe a desk phone or something for an emergency phone. So IoT can can definitely help that transition piece. And it's an, it's an easier thing to wrap your head around if you come from the traditional telco space. Even things just like connectivity, right? Everyone's dealt with it. Mobile broadband is now a thing. You can think of it just like how you would with cable, but instead of uh, having to worry about a big construction cost, potentially, you just worry about the cradle point device you have to buy and whether you have signal strength. If you're in a metro area, chances are you're going to have some good options there. And, you know, they're, you get into the usage type models, but they do have a, yeah, you have monthly data plans and they might reduce your speed a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you can avoid maybe a 50 grand construction cost, it's, it's certainly worth it. And that's, those solutions are getting much more robust. You know, like there's cellular SD-WAN devices, right? That just aggregate a bunch of signals. You can either use the standalone, whether, you know, that's your SD-WAN box or just as something to hand off uh, wireless, essentially circuits to your existing SD-WAN box. It, you know, there's lots of different pivot points for services that partners may be more familiar with and more comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds, you know, basically that, you know, IT, IOT, sorry, doesn't have to be, you know, super complicated to Eric's point. You know, if you're a partner, if you're a sales type professional, you know, lean on, you know, some of the resources we have, like 
Inspector Foxwood here uh, at uh, TBI and the rest of our solutions uh, team. But uh, yeah, Justin, thanks for all the information. I really appreciate you joining us and uh, we'll hope to have you back on soon for sure. Yeah. Oh, I do want to mention one other thing is uh, for all those partners Please. who focus on infrastructure as a service. I think Eric was trying to lead me here earlier and I just started rambling. Uh, Edge, Compute. <laughs> Edge Compute is very hot right now. Um, a lot of these really best in breed IoT solutions, they come with some form of that. It's so like a gateway that's local to your site that at least does some local storage or processing before it hands off to maybe a data center. But you can look at the Edge Compute as a separate thing if you want, right? We There are vendors who specialize on that. And that's really great for things like smart cities, smart buildings, you know, you don't necessarily need like a, a mini data center nearby. You can, you can get away with just the devices themselves and the gateways. But if you start getting into like a campus environment, then standalone edge compute, you know, specialized vendors are definitely worth looking into and, and understanding their capabilities. And we, we have access to those, just food for thought. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that would apply in like multi, multi-tenant buildings as well. Like anyone who owned a building, they've got, they've got tenants in there. They want it to be like a lead certified building, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there are like tax credits, you know, for the carbon reduction, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, it's not just a technology conversation. It's a business conversation and it's about the environment. If you want to make it about that, talk about whales. Yeah. I mean, you get into like smart agriculture is a, is a great example. Water management, right? You, you don't need to overwater your crops. You can have soil sensors for water content, for pH level, humidity in the air, like hydroponics, for example, right? Indoor growing. That's a huge thing. These big warehouses are being turned into these smart farms, essentially, right? With vertical growing and all that. You control the lighting. You can you could do so many things to automate it. And across the board, it's essentially the right term would be it's a force multiplier for staff, right? You don't need as many people to do, to scale up. You you have all of these smart devices able to do a lot of the busy work, so to speak. And that applies across the board, right? Um, banking, finance, smart ATMs, right? Most people mm-hmm. want to be able to self-service now, but they want to feel secure. So you can have smart ATM that does more than just take your card and a pin. You can enable biometrics. You can voice recognition, whatever. It, it It's a game changer. Uh, hospitality, right? Used to be where housekeeping would have to knock and you know check if you're there. They can detect if you're there now, right? They have a motion sensor type deal. It's not recording you in your room, but they know if you're there. A little less creepy. And so they know when to send the housekeeping there to be more efficient with their routes, so to speak. Or mm-hmm. I referenced it earlier, they have the panic buttons, right? It was actually a legislated thing state by state where uh, housekeeping staff needed a way to very quickly, discreetly push a button to say if they were in trouble, right? Because they're in a room, maybe the, maybe the guest was in there and they have bad intentions, whatever. There was a literal kind of land grab uh, while these host- or uh, while these uh, motels and hotels had to become compliant. There's stuff like this across the board for IoT and, and staying in the know about it is kind of crucial, right? Because it enables a partner to reach out to a business in these verticals and say, hey, do you want help with this? I know this is, you're under a deadline. Chances are they're going to be like, please, yes, please take this off my plate. We have plenty to think about, especially in the days of COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and all the chaos that has inflicted upon these industries. And I could spout off examples all day long, but, um, you know, manufacturing deficiencies, uh, output, preventative maintenance, right? Uh, get ahead of the problems before it's super expensive. We had a great uh, opportunity that's a you know literal use case for TBI for a fleet of buses for local government, 
right? It started out as a conversation to bring mobile Wi-Fi to their to their buses for the for the public transportation. Just you know, trying to unsolve or uncover the problems, other problems that might exist in this was yes, we often have buses break down because we're not aware of their inner workings, the the, the state of their inner workings rather, and it really impacts our routes. Okay, well, we can get sensors for checking all the engine codes proactively, for checking brake pads, the thickness, emissions, things like that, to really get out ahead of a catastrophic event that is way more costly. And it turns out that buses are a very popular form of public transportation and local governments talk. So just this one opportunity led to other cities and other local governments reaching out, being like, hey, we want to implement this. And this was a custom build, by the way, from an IoT vendor. Like they built it specifically for the bus use case. So once they built it, they can then take that model and apply it to the same type of scenario because the buses are buses. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's that's actually interesting. You know, being a Chicagoan lifelong and a CTA rider, um, yeah, definitely taking the bus. Um, yeah, just the advancement in all that sorts of technology, and especially having you know less of them break down due to preventative maintenance was is definitely a plus, and also being able to track routes and all that sort of stuff. But all right, so Justin, once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope to have you on again soon to chat about whatever. Um, so that is Inspector Justin Foxwood coming from you, <laughs> TBI Solutions Engineer for those who didn't catch it at the beginning. But um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out to our uh, solutions engineer department or to uh, the good folks like Eric and myself at training at tbicom.com. But for now, this has been TBI Talks Tech, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We need the trench coat if we have you back. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. <Sure. laughs>